We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Hey guys, I wanted to switch things up um, today and do the urgent education uh, this day, and then I'll do Daniel either tomorrow or Friday, um, our Daniel Company study. But um, I have been wanting to talk about this for a while. We're finished with our um, Second Amendment, and I had heard about the process I'm, I'm going to share with you a few weeks ago, and there's now a perfect example to show you that's in the media right now on what I'm talking about. Uh, and this is uh, from a podcast by Lance Wallnow, and I listened to it twice so I could take down the process it's used because we can use it to our benefit as patriots, as Christ followers, but we can also see what is happening, especially when it makes it into mainstream uh, media. And by the way, I posted two posts this morning on, I believe it's Thomas Jefferson's take on the media and how they um, prostitute themselves uh, with misinformation. I thought that was very interesting because it seems like the media has been jacked for a long time and it's up to the citizens to create new media sources, to investigate and share information um, themselves and get truth out. And, uh, and so that's why I do these, um, these uh, episodes. But one of the things that um, Lance Wallnow said that I thought was really good is he said that we think it's our responsibility to be nice, but being nice is killing us. And uh, as far as like freedom of speech, uh, the right to, uh, you know, go to your government and have a redress of grievances, the right to protest, freedom of religion, all of that is the First Amendment. And in the day that, you know, the um, founding fathers were around, they were very interesting in their free speech. Uh, like for example, they, if there was a politician that refused to support liberty, that, re, you know, refused to do what was needed, they would literally walk around with little coffins in their hands and protest that uh, official, or they would have fake effigies um, they would have, you know, nooses hanging about as they protested. Um, and that to them was an exercise of free speech. Uh, and it was basically the idea of the British where, you know, they came from the time where if a king <clears throat> refused to adjust and follow the law, the king would be killed, you know. And so obviously we don't want to threaten with death 
um, our elected leaders, but we definitely want to make sure they understand that we um, believe in the Second Amendment. Um, but the thing is, is that that is protected speech. Even hate speech is protected speech. Um, the, what is not protected is saying, all right, guys, let's go and let's kill this person or let's string up that person. That is not protected speech because that could harm someone else. And by the way, words don't harm. Uh, and so I think that this idea of political correctness and not understanding that free speech also protects stupid speech, it protects offensive speech, it protects disinformation, misinformation, whatever. I can get up and I can say that a purple elephant is a creator of all the universe and this elephant doesn't have other elephants, it has eggs. And we're all, we all came from eggs. Like I could literally say that. And I could even use that belief as an argument before a court of my right of religious protection. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how free we are in our speech. And a lot of people are like, well, what about the, you know, if someone yells fire in a crowded theater? Well, the judge that used that as an analogy, which carries no legal weight, later regretted he even used that because they were discussing a free speech case. And it's decided that if you are not inciting others to violence or harming others, which again, you cannot harm with words physically. I'm talking about your ideas and your opinions are considered your personal property according to John Adams. And so I think this idea that any speech that is offensive, that's not politically correct, that can make someone mad or, you know, cause strife, uh, we have gone way to the other side as Americans, uh, as patriots, and as uh, Christ followers. I mean, the Lord said some pretty, um, I guess, bold statements. Like, for example, he called one of his disciples Satan. Uh, when it says that he rebuked his disciples, that word rebuke means he chewed them up one side and down the other. Uh, he'd also take little digs at the the leadership of that day of Rome. Uh, and even Herod, like one example is where, you know, he talks about, you know, have you ever heard of a ruler that goes to battle and doesn't make sure he has enough supplies and troops? That's kind of the gist of what he was saying. Well, that was a direct dig against the Caesar who did just that and lost famously the battle. Um, when he said, did you come out to see a reed blowing about in the wind? Well, that was another attack, I believe, against Herod, who his representation of his kingship was a reed. Um, there was, oh, the fox, tell that fox. I mean, all, all of these were political statements. And I mean, he had to say things that made people mad because he ended up on the cross. Now I understand, you know, that he went to the cross. That's why he was born so that we could be born again. I get that. But, um, the idea is that his speech incited violence actually against him and he didn't back down. And, uh, so I want Christians to understand that being nice is not what we're called to. Uh, we are called to speak truth. The motivation of our truth must be love, but it's not a human, uh, humanistic, I don't want to hurt their feelings love. If my son, when he was little, was running out into the street and a car was coming, I would have yelled and I probably would have scared him and I probably would have hurt his feelings and he probably would have thought he was in trouble but I would have saved his life. And so that's the idea. Our speech's motive must be 
to save people's lives. And that's why this whole urgent education is so important. And it's really why, I mean, I can be diplomatic, but if I'm saying for truth um, and I feel like Holy Spirit saying to say something, I'm going to. So Christians need to quit being so nice. Also, another thing that happened on a prayer call this morning before I get into the topic um, is, you know, in Revelation, it says cowards don't go to, um, they're not going to be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. Um, being cowardly is a, a love issue, actually, because um, a complete revelation of the agape love of God removes all fear of judgment. That's what that literally means in the Greek. And if you fear judgment, so if you fear man or you fear lawsuits or you fear um, loss of reputation or you fear whatever, you become a coward. And I've seen that in elected officials recently. And that's the that's the root. Um, and so this fear of judgment, this fear of punishment for doing what is right and looking for any way to avoid doing the thing that needs to be done because you're hoping for a way out of it is, is that's cowardly. And the Lord equates cowardice uh, along the same basket of liars, adulterers, murderers. Um, in fact, I think there's a, it's either a Psalm or, or a Proverbs, I think where um, the Lord shrank back because, uh, or no, he tells us not to shrink back because of fear. And uh, so we're gonna have to understand that persecution is part of the job description of being Christ followers. People are going to misunderstand you. They're not going to agree with you. In some countries, you get killed for your faith. So uh, we need to quit fearing um, what can be done to us because what you fear, you actually worship. And so if you fear losing your reputation or you fear any loss to yourself, guess what? You become where you worship yourself. And the way that is demonstrated is you do everything you can to protect yourself versus laying your life down. The final idea with that is yesterday in my um, Jesus time, I was um, pondering the word noble because Jesus is noble and wisdom is noble. And the, the idea of noble is princely. And I was like, what, what, what image encapsulates nobility? You know, like I was trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like? Um, and so I you know, did some research. I looked up some of the names or the definitions like excellence of spirit and character, a higher level of principles, um, just several things like that. But one of it, it was actually a kid's story of this elephant and this elephant. And I think it was from India. And this elephant was a noble elephant and he had beautiful tusks, but he was very helpful. And so two men got lost and he guided them to the city they were trying to get to. And they were so thankful for this elephant and how noble he was. But when they told the ruler of that city about the noble elephant, all he heard was the tusk and he wanted those on his wall. So he sought to hunt the elephant and the elephant, you know, felt an arrow go past him and he went in hiding. Well, while the ruler was chasing him, the ruler fell into quicksand and was yelling for help. And then the elephant came and helped the man from the quicksand and then he was honored as being noble. And so to me, nobility is self-sacrifice and it's even being willing to take hits from those that don't like you. It's it's the um, laying down your life for others. And that sometimes includes your reputation and it sometimes includes your will. And um, so we need to do that. And we need to understand that 
uh, being Christians doesn't mean we just take whatever people throw at us, that we're doormats, and that we have to be nice. you got to love everybody. I can love everybody, but I don't have to keep my mouth shut if they're harming my country or they're harming my family. Like, for example, I don't necessarily want to shoot someone that might try to harm my family, but I will 100% do what I need to do to protect my family, right? So nice, nice things don't go away. Like the drug cartels in Mexico and the Mexican president saying, well, we need to address this issue with hugs. Okay, well, that's working very well. You now have an all-out civil war. And I don't know if y'all noticed also, he the other day thanked the president for open borders. Oh, I thought the borders were closed. See, they, they're lying to us, and we've got to understand that. Now, the sweet spot for both us and those that want to destroy the Christian faith, that want to destroy this country, is families. Politically, in the way that Governor uh, Yunkin won in Virginia was he, he fought for families. In the Virginia Bill of Rights, the responsibility for the children being as educated is not the school system. In fact, it never should be the school system. It's the parent. So in Virginia law, the parent is the one that's over, uh, uh, overseeing the education of their children. So whenever the school boards were pushing back against the parents, who were like, I don't want my elementary, junior high, or high school start student being groomed by pedophilia in the library. I don't want them to learn about being a, a little boy being raped by a man and that he liked it and now he's gay. Like, I don't want that stuff taught. That's not, schools should never be a place for activists to brainwash our children, which they are now. They should instead be a place to learn the um, arithmetic, reading, comprehension, all of the things that will make them successful in life. And the, the school board's like, you need to let us control what your children are taught. That's our job. You're not the experts. Well, according to Virginia law, they have the absolute right to do so. So when Governor Youngkin was running, the way he got the far, far left guy out was he began to fight for the rights of families. It's the same thing with Christians. In fact, we should be the biggest proponent of family, and yet among Christian circles, divorce is 50% or higher. Now, I'm not saying that you're condemned by that. Uh, sometimes we make uh, choices or people don't change and grow, and we're, we find ourselves in situations where we have to get out. But what I am saying is that if the church had done a better job of teaching the apostolic doctrine, the faith that has been delivered to the saints once and for all, we would not be in the mess that we're in. And not only that, this whole political overreach that's gospel overreach and we shouldn't be involved, what the heck do you think Paul was doing? He was trying to get to the influencers at the top of the mountains. So we've got to examine doctrines and beliefs and mindsets that are contrary to the word because God is after nations. Jesus said, go and disciple nations. And so the movement is after our children. After 2012, they no longer give statistics of healthy families anymore because the LGBTQ community said, hey, that's discrimination against us. We're not your typical family, so we don't want um, these reports to come out anymore. And so they quit taking data points on the health of families in America. If you don't have a healthy family as defined by the word, then you don't have a nation because you don't have an economy. You have increased crime. You have increased um, crimes against children. Uh, people don't pay their bills. Uh, you've got um, 
child support payments. You have, uh, I mean, it's very expensive to divorce and have, you know, child support payments. You have all of these things that break down the structure. And if you look at Adam and Eve, the first thing God made after the garden and putting man in it in gainful employment was family. And uh, so the economy, the family, uh, citizens being protected and taken care of are all tied to those things. So we should be framing the debate politically in protecting family. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Bible says so, because people that don't believe in absolutes um, don't believe in the Bible. I believe only like 32% of adults believe there are absolutes. And a lot of um, people that say they're Christian think that the Bible is an analogy. It's a, a parable. It's not fact. It's not reality. It's not absolute. So what we need to do is frame the debate on healthy society and healthy families and creating a picture of what that looks like, which is what Yunkin did. But how do they get into our schools? How do they get into society? How is it that 5% uh, and less of the population has been able to shift it to where um, men who dress as women in front of children in pornographic imagery is okay when it's actually against federal law? Um, how did we get there? How, how have we gotten to trans story hour? How have we gotten to this point? I figured it out from this podcast and I knew it was somewhere. Here it is. So how it works is big biz, big box stores. They fund a white paper in the education mountain because there are seven mountains of society. Education is one of them. Business is one of them. And they usually hire a professor or a scientist who agrees with their, agrees with them ideology, ideology. So they agree with their ideology. So it's not you approach science with a hypothesis, and if science disproves it, then you know that hypothesis was, is inaccurate. No, they have an opinion, they have an idea, and they find people that agree with them to then do a white paper on that, okay? So that the, the education mountain does the study on, for example, the high rate of suicide among transgenderism, and they prove that depression is higher among transgenders due to being bullied by society. When actually there's just as much evidence that the depression is because that's not normal. And I'm just going to say it. And you might be depressed because you're fighting a mental illness, not necessarily you're being bullied. Now, here's a, a, a recent one. I don't know if y'all have noticed in the news, but the Biden administration is thinking about banning gas stoves. Now, I'm like, don't mess with my gas stove. I'm not going to cook with an electric. I will actually probably go to the Supreme Court and fight this issue. Um, I don't need you in my home. In fact, that's government overreach. The Constitution does not give you any authority to tell me what to cook with in my home. That's unconstitutional. These regulations are unconstitutional. They're against the consent of the people. And a just government has the consent of the people. And I don't give my consent for you taking away my gas stove or making it where I can't buy one when I need to. Okay. But what they do is they, they fund this white paper and these scientists went out and they gathered evidence. So they basically took data points, just collected them that supported the idea that gas stoves cause asthma in small children. No joke. That's what they're saying. 
but it's not actual research. It's not actual evidence. They're not actually getting anything that can support their hypothesis. They're just pulling a few things here, a few things there, and then they're putting it together and saying, look, we have found a direct link between asthma and gas stoves. Okay. And then next will be your heater. They're going to take your heater. They're going to take your gas water heater. They're going to take your gas stove. Okay. So they prove it. Well, then the business community takes that white paper to the media. Okay. So just like we saw, they took their evidence to Fox News, to CNN, to all of them. And they're like, look, a new study shows blah, blah, blah. So they want to give credibility to their new doctrine so that the people will adopt it. Okay. Um, they want them to adopt the issue. If that's not getting the traction they need, they will then hire a celebrity or celebrities to now push this new study. Okay. And then if that's not working, they'll now create an event. And usually the event is a protest or a number of people that gather together to give you the impression that a lot of people are concerned about this. Okay. So we need to do something. But typically these protesters are paid. I mean, you can look during the, the riots, which weren't even protests, but during the riots, people were paid $15 an hour. And then piles of bricks just mysteriously showed up on street corners. I mean, it was well-funded. It was well-funded and well-ran. But they want an event that heightens your awareness that, man, this is a big problem. There's a lot of people back in this. We need to take care of these gas stoves so that our children doesn't, that they don't have to struggle with asthma. Okay. So, um, they will then, you know, create this event to prove that they're accurate. Then the 501c3s take it up. And 501c3s aren't just uh, churches. They're any nonprofit organization. They take it up and they go out and they evangelize and transform America using donations that they receive, uh, like to promote uh, critical race theory, transgenderism, etc. So a 501c3 is funded to take the, the church and traditional values out of this country. So they're using nonprofit status to attack the nonprofits, which by the way, you don't even have to have a 501c3 if you're a church. But anyway, that's a whole different topic. So they're evangelizing, they're promoting, they're transforming America with their doctrine. Then it goes to the government or the courts to get it made into law. Okay. So if they can get enough of this stuff going, you know, like defund the police is a very good example. A lot of cities defunded the police. So the, they had the events, they had decades of research, they had all of this stuff. And then the um, death uh, in Missouri, I believe it was, or Wisconsin, all of a sudden, you know, defund the police, defund the police. And so now we have an incredible amount of crime in specific areas of the nation that did that. Okay. So that's what they do. So the government will pass a law or it'll go to the courts and then the courts will make a decision that supports it um, after a tipping point. And also these people research when to push it, to introduce it and push it into society. They test us to see if we're ready. So that's why like a lot of times you'll might, might hear of something and then the outcry is huge and it pulls back and they continue their indoctrination into society very subtly. 
um, and through movies and through books and through education and all of these things. And then they try again to see where we're at and then it's not so bad as so they begin to make these inroads until finally, finally, it's in a sphere where it dominates all the other spheres. So now we have LGBTQ stuff going on in the education mountain, the religion mountain, the business mountain, the um, media mountain. Um, I mean, you know, the court system, it goes on and on and on and on. So all of this is well-researched, well-funded, and it, the narrative is designed for a specific goal, okay? Whenever the um, COVID thing, which is a perfect example of what we're talking about, and now you see people dropping dead like flies from the backs, but Tucker Carlson was the only one that sent up a warning in mainstream media, and he said, where are the pastors, where are the churches? Why are you allowing the government to reshape your liberty with so-called science that might not even be accurate? And now we're finding it wasn't. Why? They funded the paper. They funded the virus. They funded it all. They created the event. They pushed us, pushed us, pushed us, pushed us. Churches shut down. People started wearing masks. And I even got flack. I'm not going to say who from, but I got flack from a couple people I really love for being so adamant on the mass. And I kept telling them, this is not about mass. This is about liberty. If I choose to expose myself to a virus, then that's my choice. And if people don't like it, don't be around me. And 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 that, that was the whole conflict was, it's for the good of others. No, this is not for the good of others. This is a tactic to steal our liberties. For the first time in the history of this nation, churches were shut down. And they willingly did it. And then the, they call him the prophet of Davos. He was talking about all that happened. And he said, God is no longer God. Science, that's the new God. So they're going to use science to funnel and to push their doctrines, push their opinions, push their pet ideas, and, and transform this country into something that we don't recognize, which they've already done. So what if... It's time for wealthy Christian men and women, business men and women, to fund accurate research, to not try to, you know, skew the results, but get true um, people that have integrity and honesty. Uh, and we begin to push our own narratives that are actually truth and that support the principles of this country. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. So on the gas stove deal, this is exactly what happened. And in fact, Dana Perino said, you know, there's new research out that blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many causes of, you know, asthma. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I don't want people taking my gas stove away. Um, how far are we going to let them go? And then if you look at the, the end result, they said, well, that's okay if you have to get rid of your gas stove because in the Inflation Reduction Act, we have money that will help you transition from gas to electric. So what's their end game? The Green New Deal. A lot of people don't know the Inflation uh, Reduction Act was actually the Green New Deal that we said no to already. And it's not reduced in, uh, inflation. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, if you want a copy of the steps, I have it uh, as a Word document. I can get it to you like that or a PDF. 
but I want a group of people. I want to get with like-minded people and us explore this idea and how, because a nation is shifted by 5% or under. That's been proven over and over and over historically. And we don't need that many people to affect change in this nation. We just need people that are willing to do the work, willing to strategize, and are not cowards. I mean, really, that's what we need. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to share it with you. If you're interested in brainstorming with me and strategizing with me, framing debate, I would absolutely love to do that. Because Christians right now are pretty much irrelevant, and we need to become relevant once again. Okay, so that's it. Um, I think I'm going to talk about uh, women's right to vote, which I think the things I found out will absolutely shock you. It may sound boring. I promise it is not boring. I don't think I'm usually boring. If I ever am, just let me know in the comments and I'll straighten up. But I think I'll tackle that topic because I was absolutely shocked at what I learned. Um, and also the bacon rebellion will probably kind of fly in. And no, it's not about bacon you fry on a gas stove. <laughs> it's about a man whose last name was Bacon. It's very interesting in the formation of the white race versus black race. I think you guys will find that interesting. So I will see you next week for that and either tomorrow or Friday for our Daniel Company training. By the way, I've been studying Revelation, that whole medical thing in science. I think you're going to be pretty shocked when I get to chapter 11, I believe, in Revelation. So it's very interesting. All right, guys, have a good day, and I will talk to you. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a noble, organic community, not a system. If you felt like a square peg trying to fit around hole, or you know there's more, this training might be for you. If you know that God is moving in the marketplace and you want to be equipped to partner with Him, this training is for you. If you understand the call is to disciple nations, you must be equipped with this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me dot me.